And we're going to be talking today about the four things that we can do now to improve our relationship with Jesus. You know, I have to admit, the most dramatic movie scene of all times was in Castaway. When Tom Hanks' character was laying in the raft as his one and only friend, the volleyball Wilson, was floating away in the ocean. And I can just see him now screaming out, Wilson! Wilson! As Wilson floated and drifted away. Man, I was crying. No, I really wasn't. But what a dramatic scene. And you know, it made me think that sometimes we do that in life. We have this natural drift in life. The natural current of life causes us to drift away from Jesus into unwanted spiritual and emotional territory. And before we know it, we're somewhere where we never wanted to be, doing things that we never thought that we would do. And it happens so subtly. It happens without us even recognizing or understanding it. You know, back in the 80s, there was this rock band called Whitesnake. And they had a song called, Here I Go Again. That was a great song, right? One of the the lyrics in the song goes, Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Come on, sing it. (laughs) Going down the only road I've ever known. One of these days I'll hit that high note. (laughs) Don't run out, please. But you know, so often in our life, we're just like that song. We're living as drifters, aren't we? We're just living our lives as drifters. And you know what? It happens so easily. And every one of us at some level have become drifters. Drifters in our faith. And drifting can cause some serious, serious problems in your journey both spiritually and emotionally. And maybe not initially, you know, do we recognize the the symptoms? Maybe not initially do we even understand what's going on because oftentimes the problems go unnoticed until we are are consumed by all the issues of, of what's surrounding us. But mark my word, drifting is a serious problem. Drifting is serious danger. It is unwanted territory. So we need to know this. Mark this down. We need to beware of the spiritual drift that sometimes happens in our life. Because here's the reality with drifting. We generally never drift towards safety. It never happens. When you allow life to just drift you away, you rarely ever do you drift towards safety, towards places where you really want to be. You see, most often when we drift, we drift into dangerous territory. We drift into places that that we don't want to go. No one just drifts into godliness. No one just kind of accidentally walks into a godly lifestyle or godly choices. But it's so easy to float away from Jesus. Why? Because the natural current of this world drifts us away from his heart and his desires. The world's current inevitably draws us towards poor choices and unfortunate circumstances, unfortunate consequences in our life. Poor choices is what the Bible calls as sin. When we make choices that are opposite from the heart of God, that is what the Bible calls sin. And that's what the natural current of this world draws us towards. It draws us away from the heart of God. And before you know it, because of our own poor choices, 
we acquire unfortunate circumstances in our life. Because every choice you make has a consequence attached to it. That is the reality of life. And so what consequences are you bringing into your life because of the choices that you make? You know, many Christians, many times we're not really paying attention to our own spiritual life. We're just not. And because of that, we drift further and further and further away from him. And it happens so quietly. It happens gradually. And before you know it, you're often unaware of the conditions that you are in until all the negative consequences start to set in. You know, it's kind of like a light bulb. You know how a light bulb works? A light bulb has this wire that runs through it that all the electricity kind of runs through to create light. But over time, this wire oxidizes and becomes more and more brittle over time as you use that light bulb until one day that little little wire breaks apart and the light bulb burns out. You flip on the switch and boom, there's no light. Don't you hate that? Drives me up the wall. And that's what happens in our life. You know, life is just happening. And before you know it, we don't even understand the consequences of what's going on in our own heart and our life because of the drift of our natural tendencies and the brittle nature of who we are eventually just breaks. And before you know it, your light fades. Your light burns out. And then all of a sudden we wonder, what just happened? How did I get here? And we never knew it was happening for so long. We've been drifting. We've never focused on our spiritual journey. We were more focused on our jobs or our hobbies or what we want to do in life. We were more focused on all of that and we never focused on our own spiritual self. And your spiritual self involves everything of who you are, your relationships, your life, your choices. Everything centers around your spiritual self. And when you don't take care of that, then you find the emotional struggles. You find the hurt. You find the consequences of your choices, and your light burns out. And it just happens so quietly and subtly and without even knowing it. And did you know this happened at the very beginning of time? At the very beginning of time, God created this world— And he created man and woman in the name of Adam and Eve. And they placed them in this garden. And he said the garden was beautiful. The garden had everything you could ever imagine. It was perfect. There were no weeds to pull. It was wonderful. He said, listen, Adam and Eve, you can have everything in this garden. Everything here is for you. This perfection is for you. I ask one thing, just don't touch that tree of knowledge. Stay away from that tree, because if you do, you will die. You can have everything else, just not that. You know why God did that? You know why he provided that? Because in his most basic desire, he wants real love to take place, and real love needs to be a choice. You need to choose God. And so God was saying, I am not putting you in this place where you have no other choice that you have to choose me. I'm giving you the option. That tree 
reveals the option. Do you want me or this world? You know what Satan did? Satan twisted the truth. Look what Satan does in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. It's written, he says to them, you will not certainly die. The serpent, Satan was in a serpent mode. He said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what Satan was doing in that moment? He was twisting the reality of God in the minds of these people, of Adam and Eve. He was saying, listen, you're not going to die. God's holding out on you. He knows how amazing this tree is. He knows you will know everything. You'll be like him. He's holding back on you. He's not really letting you enjoy life. So, Don't listen to that. Take the opportunity. Enjoy everything. And you know that's what Satan does to us. He deceives us into thinking that God is holding out on us. He deceives us into thinking that we are missing out on the abundance of life by following God. And can I be honest with you? That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. Because you know what Satan is coming to do? He is coming to deceive us, to pull us away from God. But God wants to give us life. Adam and Eve weren't paying attention. Their desire for more caused them to drift. And destruction came in. You know, we see a similar story in the New Testament with this spiral downward of our, of our own drifting. And it, this goes by the name, a man by the name of Demas. We don't know a whole lot about Demas. He was someone who followed Paul and was with Paul on all of his missionary journeys and planting new churches as the New Testament began. And we just see Demas highlighted in some of Paul's letters. And the only thing that we really get any glimpse into Demas' life is in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10, which says this, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. We don't know much about Demas. All we know is he used to walk with Paul and follow Jesus, but at some point he loved the world too much that he left it all to run back towards the world. And his legacy for all time now is a deserter of the faith. He drifted and destruction came in. Other people, we see this happen in the Bible. You know, just a couple is also Saul in the Old Testament, the first king of, of the Israel nation. He loved his personal advancement just too much and he drifted away from God and his life ended in destruction. In the New Testament, I'm sure you heard about the man by the name of Judas. He felt the pressure of the society that they were in. He drifted away from Jesus and he became the accuser and his life ended in destruction. Make no mistake about it. Drifting is scary territory and it ends in destruction if you don't catch it and get back on track. And it happens so easily. It happens so easily in our life. It's often the drift of life that just causes us to pull away from Jesus and some common trends that causes us to drift and pull us away from Jesus. Maybe it's hurt and letdowns from other Christians. 
you know, people that you thought, um, you know, that weren't as, as perfect or whatever it might be that you were let down by them in your life and, and then you turn away from God. Maybe it's a t- disappointment with God. Maybe you feel God let you down with whatever the circumstances you have in life. Maybe it's difficulties you faced or distractions in your life or discouragement or doubt or desires or deceit. Maybe someone has been deceiving you in your journey. Whatever it may be, these common trends tend to happen in our life, in our heart, in our minds and causes us to drift further and further away from Jesus. And what's causing you to drift? What's causing you to drift away from him? Here's the bottom line. Drifting away causes us to miss out on the fullness that Jesus offers. Drifting causes us to miss out on the full life that only Jesus offers. That's what the big deal is. That's why this is such a serious problem. Look what Jesus said in John 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, Jesus came to give life. But the devil, you know what his mission is? His mission is to cause you to drift. Because he knows if he can twist your understanding, if he can deceive your thoughts and cause you to love this world a little bit too much, he can cause you to drift further and further away from Jesus and miss out on the fullness that only God provides. Jesus comes to give life. Life that is so abundant you could never experience anywhere else. Yet so often we try to do this on our own. We try to go at our own pace, do our own thing, and we struggle through life because we're drifting from Jesus and we fall prey to his deceit and and we think we can enjoy more life and and kind of do life on our own and come to Jesus whenever things aren't going our way and before we know it, we're falling apart because here's the reality. Sometimes life is kind of like this power strip. You know, this power strip represents you. And yet so often in life, what happens is, well, I have so much stuff on my plate, so much stuff that I'm trying to get through. And, you know, my life, well, I got to work and this iPad determines my job and and my calendar and everything else that I have to do for my work. And so I got to plug that in and keep my work schedule going and my life work moving forward for my job. And, you know, I have all the people I have to stay in touch with and I have all the kids' activities and and, and everything else going on. So this phone represents my hobbies and and, and just life in general that's, that's running at a fast pace because, you know, life just doesn't slow down. I got the kids' soccer, got school events, got everything else. Have to be to and do on top of my work, and it just doesn't stop. And you know, I, I like to have fun too. And so, my big hobby is to root for the Steelers who really stink this year, but hey, I still root for them. And so, I want to do my hobbies, I want to go have my fun time. And so, I'm trying to run at this fast pace and constantly going and running and doing all this stuff. And 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 you know, I think I can do this all on my own, I think I got this, I'm all good. And so, I'm constantly plugging my own power into myself because I think I can do this on my own. But guess what happens? Eventually, my battery's going to run out, and I drain myself. And I wonder, how did I get here? How did I get to this point? What what, what happened? I used to be so alive, so vibrant, and now I'm just so 
dead inside, it's because I drifted. And I drifted trying to run on my own power. And at some point, we need to stop trying to plug into ourselves for the source of life and plug into the one who is the true source of life, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Until then, we will never experience the fullness of who he is, and you're just draining yourself. You're just draining yourself. We gotta stop the drift. I don't know about you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in this too. Listen, this is not a, this is a human nature thing. We're all drifting and we're all being pulled away and we gotta pay attention to our spiritual self because if we don't, it will destroy us. It will destroy us. It's destroying people. It's destroying homes. It's destroying families. It's destroying our kids. And we got to stop drifting. And we need to invest in God. We need to invest in our spiritual self and make that an important part of who I am. So today we really want to focus on, okay, Bill, that's all great. I want to stop drifting. I I don't want to drain myself out. So What's something I can do to improve my relationship with Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because that's what we want to talk about for the rest of our time is here are some ways to re-engage Jesus, to experience him even more, to improve our relationship with him. The first way to improve our relationship with Jesus is to prioritize God in our schedule. Prioritize God in your schedule. Did you know that Jesus was probably the most busiest person that ever walked this earth. I mean, when he started his ministry every day, he had hundreds and hundreds of people flocking to him, wanting a piece of him, wanting to talk to him, wanting him to do a miracle. And every day he was overwhelmed with people and their problems and their concerns and just life in general. But yet Jesus prioritized spending time with the Father. You know, so easy to say, Bill, I'm I want to do that, but I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. And I use that excuse sometimes too, I'll be honest. But then you know what really hits me? Is when I read Jesus' story. And I begin to think, boy, this man was busy. And if he found the time, who am I to say I can't? You see, it's not a busy thing. It's a priority thing. And Jesus needs to be more of a priority in our life. Here's some easy steps in prioritizing Jesus and getting him more involved in your life. Share the gospel with yourself. Have you ever done this? Maybe you have a long commute to work or maybe you have just some downtime and you know those days when you're just kind of beat up and you're not, not really wanting to face whatever you're about to face that day, whatever it might be. Well, do this on your drive. Do this whenever you're by yourself. Just share the gospel. Remind yourself of who Jesus is. Remind yourself that he went to the cross for you, that he died, that he, that he rose out of that tomb, that he gave you victory over life, I'm sorry, over, over death, to give you life, that he is is the source of strength and peace and comfort because of everything he did. And just repeat that redeeming story of who Jesus is to us. And the more that we share ourselves that story, the more it becomes ingrained in our minds and ingrained in our hearts. 
and the more you will find encouragement and strength for every day you face. Share that message with yourself. Share yourself with who Jesus is. And read the Bible. Take time just to read the Bible. You know, or maybe you're not a big reader. Then download the YouVersion app or, or get, a, get a Bible on CD or something and put it in your car while you're driving and just listen to it. Let God's word seep into your life and watch what he begins to do. You know, my wife and I were on stage a couple weeks ago and we talked about the YouVersion app. And maybe some of you are using that app right now to follow along with the message. And if you don't have it, go onto your app store and download the YouVersion Bible app. It's, it's a great tool. It's a great tool to use. There's so many different Bible um, translations on there. There's hundreds of different devotionals on there. We, I encourage you to do devotional too. But ways to plug in there and just make Bible reading a part of your life. And maybe you're like, I don't have time. I, I'm not a big reader. I'm having trouble getting engaged in reading. Well, the Bible app will talk to you. Make a voice that you like. You know, make a, an English person that will give you a great English accent. If that helps you read the Bible, whatever it might be, just get into his word. And watch what God speaks to you. Listen and see how God speaks to you and encourages you every single day. And try journaling. Maybe you're not, I'm not a big journaler, but I like to do it every once in a while. And we have that soap reading plan here. That's just a great opportunity just to read God's word and journal your thoughts out. You know, what do you observe going on in this, in this passage that you just read? How can you apply it to your life? Because here's, here's the truth. You do not need to be a Bible scholar to get into God's word. So don't be afraid. Just get into his word. Every time you get into God's word, he has something to share with you that will give you strength and encouragement in your life. Spend time with him. And finally, pray. Take time to pray. Like I said a moment ago, that's our communication line with God. And prayer, communication has two ways. Time to just listen to him and time to talk to him. And how awesome is it that the creator of everything that is, the God of all the universe, wants to just spend time with you, wants to spend time with me, and just talk, and just to hear what's going on in your life. Because here's the wild thing. He already knows. He just wants you to come to him you know, it's too easy to say we're too busy. It's too easy to say I have too many go things going on, but we schedule what's important to us. Every one of us schedules what matters to us. And if Jesus is a priority, priority to you, then get him on your schedule. This all comes down to priorities, not busyness. And the honest question I think we really need to ask ourselves is this. Is Jesus a priority to you, or are you only interested in the benefits that he provides? You need to be honest with that. Is Jesus a priority to you in your life or are you only interested in the benefits that he provides? Because it makes a big difference. If all you care are the gifts he gives, then you're missing out. You're missing out. But if you make him a priority of your life, you will experience life like you've never have before. Jesus made it a priority. I mean, look at this passage in Mark 6, 
when he was so overwhelmed with all these people flocking to him, so overwhelmed with all the busyness that's going on. And Mark 6 says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. And while he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. I think there's some really important steps in that passage, what Jesus did, that we can apply to our life in trying to schedule God into our time. The first thing is this. you got to make the time. The second thing is this. You have to remove the distractions. And the Bible says to be still and just know that he is God. Too often we miss out on God because we allow the distractions to overwhelm us. Jesus sent all the crowd and the disciples away. He removed his distractions and they went to the mountainside to pray. What are the distractions in your life? Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your computer. Maybe it's those pesky kids. Whatever it might be. Take a moment and just remove the distractions and go to a quiet place and pray. Listen to him. Read his word. Let God speak to you. You know, the best way to prioritize God in your schedule is actually put him on your schedule. I don't know about you, but my calendar runs my life. If I got something to do, I got to put it on my calendar because if I don't, I won't remember it. And whenever it is, I'm like, I got to be here, here, here. Do you do that? You know, this thing controls my life. The ding of what's coming up next is always going. And if I don't put Jesus in here, Guess what? It's going to get to be 9 o'clock at night. I'm passed out on the couch. And it's like, oh, hey, Jesus, can we hang out tomorrow? Make it a priority. Actually put Jesus' time on your calendar. Try it. Maybe you're a morning person. Do it at 6 a.m. Maybe you're an afternoon person. Do it at lunchtime. Maybe you're an evening person. Do it at 9 o'clock. Whatever works for you. Actually go on your calendar and put Jesus' time and make it just like any other meeting in your life that nothing else will disturb you from that moment. You're going to get away. You're going to read his word. You're going to pray. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out time. I mean, if you're new to it, start five minutes. Start ten minutes. Start with something. Give yourself some success at just hanging out with Jesus and see what God begins to do. See how God begins to speak to you and what he does in your life. Let's move on. Secondly, another thing that we can do to improve our relationship with Jesus is to allow ourselves to be real with God. Allow yourself to actually be real with him. You know, in our culture, we have done a pretty good job at keeping others at surface level. That's what we do. We don't want anybody to know the real me. Maybe because we're so scared that if they really knew my deepest, darkest secrets, they'd run away. Or whatever the excuse might be, we keep everybody at at surface level, not letting them see us. And oftentimes, we do that with God too. We do that with him too. It's like, God, you know, it's kind of, everything's going kind of okay. Hope you're doing well. And we move on with our life. But can I just be honest with you? God already knows everything about you. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you're thinking about in this moment. And he loves you the same. 
He's not trying to get information that he does not already know. He's trying to get you to open up to be real with him so that you can experience the real him. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. And we need to allow ourselves to be real with God. And to be real with means to allow God and some, uh, somebody else in our life that we trust to be, to be open and honest with to be honest about who I am. Allowing yourself to be real with God means there needs to be a level of accountability. Someone saying, listen, hey, I love you, but let's make sure you don't do that again because I don't want you going down that path because that drift is going to bring you to destruction and I care too much about you because times when we allow God to be real with us, to come into us, then he transforms us. You know, David in the Old Testament he was labeled as a man after God's own heart. But he was a man who was a complete knucklehead. He made some horrible mistakes. If you're not familiar with his story, one of his biggest mistakes is king of Israel. He was the second king of Israel. He was looking over all of his kingdom while all of his mighty men were off in battle. And he was in his low point and he saw this beautiful woman named Bathsheba. He called Bathsheba up to his place and he had a relationship with her. Her, her husband was Uriah, who was one of David's closest fighting warrior companions that was off at battle. And David was so embarrassed by the moment he brought Uriah back to try to be with Bathsheba because she was now pregnant, to try to cover up what he did. And Uriah, being such a man of honor, said, I am not going to go be with my wife while my men are off at battle. And he absolutely refused. Even when David tried to get him drunk, he refused so David sent Uriah back to the battlefield to the front lines where he knew Uriah would be killed. He sent him to the front lines, kind of pulled everybody back so Uriah would die. And so in this moment, David found himself as an adulterer, a liar, and a murderer. Yet he was a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he ran back towards God. Not long after that, when David was dealing with the consequences of his own poor choices, God sent the prophet Nathan to him to basically say, David, you're messed up. That's Bill's words. They said, David, you got to turn back to God. You are deceiving. You are on a wrong path. You are drifting. And when David was broken, when David realized, I need God, he wrote Psalm 51. In one of those verses, in verse 10 of Psalm 51, David writes this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, in other words, David was saying, God, God, go into the depths of my soul. Go into my most secret place of who I am those places that I've been trying to hide for years, those places that I don't want anybody to know about, those, the place that reveals the real me, my fears, my sins, my impure thoughts, my guilt, the me that I am. Go into that place. Go into those depths and renew me. Make me new. That's what David was saying in these verses. And that's what God desires us to pray. But let me be honest with you. When you allow God in to renew you into the depths of who you are, he's going to mess you up in a good way. That's going to be awesome. And here's a fundamental truth that we cannot overlook. You will never be renewed without being real. You won't. 
you will never be renewed without being real. And so many of us have kept God and others at surface level and we wonder why am I still going, drifting away? Why am I still making these choices? Why? Because you're not being real. You're not being real with God and you haven't found people in your life that you can be real with. So quit being surface level with everyone and with God. Find someone that you trust. Be open with God. Be honest about who you truly are in the depths of your soul. Surround yourself with others. That's what growth groups are so important because they're a place where you can find other people that you trust, that you can be real with and be honest with. But also know this, being real is just the first step. That's just the first step in the process. It cannot be the last step. As you are real, you need to have a level of accountability. You see, know this, transparency without accountability is a dangerous place to be. It is dangerous ground to walk on if you are transparent without accountability. You know what transparency without accountability is? It's like joining a frat house. Frat houses are those secret clubs where everyone knows your poor choices because everybody's doing them too. And it's like a celebration. It's a joke. It's just kind of laugh about. It's kind of make light of. It's almost like a badge of honor. But frat house Christianity is not following Jesus. That's just trying to put a holy bow tie on our own immaturity. That's all that is. <clears throat> if you really want to experience Jesus, then transparency needs to lead to, lead to accountability. There is no other way. We need to be held accountable for the choices that we make. Otherwise, we're going to drift. We're just going to drift. And so we need to allow God and others to hold us accountable. Who do you have in your life that's holding you accountable? Not just someone you tell things to, but someone who's actually holding you accountable. Because it matters. Next, turn to God, even when he feels far away. You know, sometimes God just seems so far away. You know, life just hits us. And you look around and you wonder, God, where are you? Have you ever been in that moment where you're completely broken and beaten down with life and the circumstances just seem so difficult and you're questioning God in that moment? Where are you, God? But don't allow those moments to cause you to drift. Don't allow those moments to cause you to turn away. In those moments, turn to him. Turn to him and see what he wants to do. Jesus turned to the Father even when he felt so distant. You know, in the night that he was betrayed, when he knew that the world was turning against him, when he knew he was about to go through one of the most gruesome, painful experiences and death that anyone could ever imagine, Jesus in his human nature was broken and down. And in that moment, look what happens in Mark 14. They went to a place called Gethsemane, Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And they began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here. And keep watch. Do you see what Jesus did? In his most stressed out and darkest moment, he turned to the Father. 
when I know in that moment when it seemed like the father was so far away, he turned to him. Who do you turn to in those darkest moments? Don't drift away from God. Even when you're not sure why he's allowing it to happen, even when you're not sure if he's there, I challenge you, turn to him. Turn to him and find the encouragement that only he provides. Finally, the last thing that we can do to help us improve our relationship with Jesus is when you mess up, make the next right choice. You know, in the Old Testament, we see the storyline between David and Saul, the first two kings of Israel. Saul was the first, David was the second. Saul was a man who kept running after his own pride and drifted away from God, and his life ended in destruction. David was a man who was an adulterer, a murderer, and a liar, among other things. Yet he became a man who was called a man after God's own heart. So why the difference? Why did one man's life end in destruction and one man's life end up being labeled such a high, um, highly regarded man after God's own heart? You know the difference? When Saul messed up, when Saul made poor choices, he got up and he kept running after his own heart, his own desires. But when David messed up, he got back up and he kept running towards the heart of God. You see, it's not about perfection. What matters most is when you fall down, and you will, when you get back up, who do you run to? That's what matters. That's what makes the difference. See, life is not about not making mistakes. Life is about when I do make those mistakes, when I do make those poor choices, when I get back up, I'm going to make sure I'm going to make the next right choice and I'm going to run towards Jesus. I can't run towards me. I'm going to drain my power. I'm going to drain my life. And trust me, I've done that. It doesn't work out. But when we get back up, let's run towards him. You know, at some point, you need to make this relationship with Jesus real. You need to make it real. You know, I love the author and speaker Francis Chan who once gave this illustration about studying the Bible. And he told the told story, he said, let's pretend I told my daughter that she needs to go clean her room. Her, her room is a mess. And so I sent her into her room. And I come back a little while later and she says, Dad, I completely understand what you meant when you said clean your room. I mean, I was studying that phrase that you said. I mean, I had some friends come over and we did a group study on that. I studied it in Greek. I mean, I know it inside and out. I completely get it what you mean when you say clean your room. And I look in a room and ask, did you clean your room? Well, no, I didn't get a chance to yet. Well, what's the point? And I think sometimes God's thinking the same thing. That's great that you've been doing all this studying. That's great, you understand everything inside and out, that you're having the group studies, which is a wonderful thing. But if you're not doing it, what's the point? You see, God's not as interested in what you think you know. God's more interested in the fact that you follow him. And so what you do know, are you following him? That's what matters most.
do you get back up and run towards the heart of God? At some point, Jesus needs to be real for you. At some point, he needs to be a priority in your life. At some point, my challenge is you need to be more interested in the relationship with him than the, than the benefits that he provides. Because he wants to give you life and life more abundantly. And so where are you? Where are you at? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, Bill, you know, I've given my life to Jesus and I've been following him, but I, I'll be honest, I, I've been drifting. I have been drifting and I've drifted away and I've made some poor choices in my life and maybe I'm suffering some of the consequences because of those poor choices and I've been keeping everybody at surface level. I've been pushing people away. I'm kind of embarrassed about who I am or what I've been doing. If that's you, you know, maybe it's time to get things right with God. We call that recommitting our faith. Now's the time to get back real with God. To get real again with Jesus. Don't delay it. Do it now. If you've given your life to Jesus and you've been drifting away and you want to recommit and get back to him, do me a favor on your connect card. Just write recommit and we'd love to follow up with you and just help you get back engaged with Jesus and experience him. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Bill, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've always kind of keeping things at bay. I've uh, maybe this is your first time here and you're trying to figure this out or you've been kind of doing the church thing for a while but you've never really kind of taken that step of giving your whole life over to Jesus. And can I ask you, what's been holding you back? Because this world lets us down. But Jesus, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. You know, in the book of Acts, Paul writes about this. And he says... In this, in Acts chapter 6, listen, you know, to the people he's writing to, so often we kind of go through life and we think, well, I can make these poor choices and kind of come back to Jesus because, well, God's, he's, he's full of love. He's grace. I mean, he died on the cross, so we're all good. I mean, he has grace, so we can kind of do that own thing. And Paul describes that as abusing God's grace. And so often we abuse his grace because we think, well, he's love. He'll kind of accept me back so I can kind of do what I want and he'll forgive me tomorrow. That's a bad, dangerous drift to be on. But Paul says we need to experience the fullness of who he is. Jesus went to that cross. He suffered a brutal death. And he was buried in that grave. And he walked out of that tomb defeating death for all time. Now we'll all face physical death. But when he walked out of that tomb, he gave us the ability that we will never have to suffer spiritual death, which is being separated from God for all eternity. And Paul writes in Acts 6 that we can experience the fullness of who he is as we come into a relationship with him through baptism. Because he describes in Acts 6 that baptism is that place where we meet Jesus and where we identify ourselves with him in his death and his burial and his re uh, resurrection, where we unite ourselves with him in that act. And we, we can begin that journey of walking with him. Where are you at today? Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never been baptized. And I want to challenge you today. Let's make this a day. Let's make this our decision day that today I choose Jesus. Today 
I am following him. Today, he is my priority. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, and you've never been baptized and experienced the fullness of who he is in the waters as we, as we experience him in his death, and his burial, and resurrection, how about today? How about today? I know you didn't come prepared to make that step, but we're ready for you. The water's warm. We have towels. We have clothes to change into. And we would love today to be the day where you experience the fullness of God, where you can follow him and say, I am done drifting. I'm going towards his heart. And let's make this journey together because God is real. And you have the opportunity to experience the realness and the fullness of who he is if you will just take that step. You know, after I pray, I would ask if you are wanting to take that step and be baptized, we're ready for you. And me and some other people will meet you at the end of the ramp after I pray. And we can take that step and begin that journey together. You know, right now we're coming to our time of communion. And I just want us to pause and to reflect on who God is. Because he is real. And he loves you. So much so that he went to the cross. You know, every week when we pause to remember his sacrifice and we take the bread that represents his body and the juice that represents his blood, may we use this as an opportunity to re-engage him and use this as an opportunity to remember the life that he gave because he loves you. He loves you desperately. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what excuses you have. I don't care what's going through the deepest, darkest depths of your soul and the guilt that you may be carrying. Jesus loves you. And this is time to remember that. And so let's remember that as we take this communion. And if you are ready to take the step to be baptized, to give your life fully over to him, why don't you meet me at the end of the ramp after I pray? Let's pray together. Father, you are such a good God. And you've gone before us, and you've made a way. And Lord God, help us to know you more fully. Help us to experience you on a whole new level. And Lord God, you know every single person in this room, and you know everything going on in their life and in their hearts. And Lord, right now, I just pray that you take away our guilt, take away our fear, take away our anxiety, and help us just to be real with you. Lord, we thank you for, your, for the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord God, may we live in a real relationship with you. For those that have drifted away, Lord, I pray right now that we may turn back to you, that we may be real with you, and that we may walk with you again. Lord God, for those that may be in this room that have never taken a step to give their lives over fully to you and to experience you, Lord, I pray that today be the day that they meet me at the end of the ramp, that today be the day they take this step and experience you in your death, your burial, and your resurrection, and walk a new life that only you can provide. Lord, you never promised to take away the hurt of this world. You never promised to take away the pain or the difficulties. What you did promise is to always be by our side, and we trust you in that. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.